Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I am on a mission to teach people how to transform their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, you're single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have now coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. In today's episode, it is a what would Jillian say? And this is when I coach a listener on their love life. And today I had the pleasure of speaking with Emily. And Emily reached out because she and her girlfriend had a very difficult breakup. The kind of breakup where Emily felt very betrayed. By the time we spoke, she was doing a lot better because about six months had passed. She's extremely intelligent and has a lot of self-awareness and works on herself. She had insight and that has definitely helped her heal. But as she would admit, she was still slightly stuck. She was stuck on the way that it ended and there was still just a part of her, understandably, that was tethered to her ex-girlfriend and to the relationship and what happened. And there was just a part of her that really just was struggling to move on. So that's what I helped her out with. And I ask her a lot of questions. I learn about the relationship. And I think that this is going to be incredibly useful, particularly if you are heartbroken. But even if you're not, there's a lot of things that we discover together and insight that she later discovers to have that I think is going to be incredibly useful and illuminating. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, welcome. Hi, Jillian. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great to meet you in person. How can I help you? Oh my goodness. Many questions, but I think, you know, what I really want to take away today, hopefully, is a little bit more wisdom and help with how to forgive someone that you didn't get an apology from. This is an ex of mine that we were in a very toxic relationship. As they go, it ended very catastrophically and I didn't get that closure. So as I am learning to give that closure to myself, I'm, I'm really struggling with how to extend compassion to her. Okay. Well, first question is, how long ago did it end? And second question is, why was it toxic? It ended several times, as I'm sure. <laughs> I've heard many stories like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so it ended with the men- final ending. <laughs> the final ending. There we go. The final yeah. ending was early July of 2023. Okay. okay. And why yeah. was it toxic? <sighs> That's such a good question because I feel like, you know, once... We both reached a point where we knew 
we were toxic, but of course trying to work through that. So it was something that we just kind of like decided on and never really peeled that back and asked why. So, well, I mean, so not what led you to the toxicity, what, what about it led you to believe that it was toxic? Like, Mm. why did you define your relationship with her as toxic? Mm. Well, for starters, there was so much fighting Mm -hmm. throughout. It started about four months in, five months in. And so, yeah, there was a lot of fighting. And I think just fighting to be right, fighting to be understood, and just a lot of really unhealthy communication, of course, is what it came down to. How long were you with her? Maybe a year, like about a year and a half, which was my Mm -hmm. longest relationship. Felt pretty long to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where did you meet her? On a dating app. So what did you two fight about? (laughs) A lot of things. I think, I think we wound up fighting mostly about control. There was a really big theme also in our relationship about attraction to others and my ex had a lot of insecurity around that from kind of unprocessed and undealt with trauma in her life that is, I believe, completely valid and traumatic. And that really, I think, bled into our relationship. And so I'm bisexual. I know she is too. I think my sexuality really seemed to come under scrutiny when it came to people, specifically new people in my life, new friends or coworkers or just new characters. So it became kind of a threat to her and our intimacy that we had, which was really hard, as you can imagine, to navigate. Yeah, very hard. So anytime you met a new woman or a new man, didn't matter who, didn't matter what the context was, and you would tell her, oh, I met so-and-so at whatever, she would immediately get jealous, basically. It wasn't immediate all the time. I do think she tried to maybe process that the way that she mm-hmm. could on her own. But I think, think, and of course, you know, we're always projecting all the time. I, mm-hmm. I know I do it too. Part of it was when she would either see that person or meet that person and experience either me around that person or how I would talk about that person. And then that would start those feelings and, and trigger her. So yeah, that's how it, it manifested. And then it quickly became me trying to manage how she felt. And also while knowing that I am a loyal person, I'm a good person, I'm someone who loves deep connection. So it, it was like, I don't want to have to give up connecting with people and having intimacy and, and my friendships and things like that. And how do I console her? And I, mm-hmm. I can't do that. That's something that I, I learned. But that's how that um, cycle looked. Did you both ever have a conversation around boundaries in terms of other people in your life and what that might look like? Yeah, definitely. So we had actually that conversation several times throughout our relationship where the idea of attraction came mm-hmm. up. And this is where it gets tricky, Jillian, because I think for context, it's important to talk about in the beginning of our relationship, something that I really loved. And of course, even just with resources like your podcast and and things like this, I've learned that this is very common, but the the chemistry was strong, right? From Mm -hmm. the jump, the sex was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was very powerful. And I felt that it was the first relationship that I had had where my sexuality was celebrated at the time. That's what I 
what I thought. Mm-hmm. And she really brought into the bedroom this dirty talking and this sort of like, I am picturing you with this guy or or wouldn't it be hot if they were here with us? And so she kind of would bring these people into our bedroom. These fictional characters into the bedroom, like these ghosts into the bedroom. Yeah. Ghosts until they were real. Okay. Which, you know, in hindsight was something I wouldn't choose to do again with her. But... So okay, it was, so she suggested it, and then the two of you did invite others into the bedroom. Yes, mm-hmm. but it was all, you know, building, right? It started with just these, yeah, these Well, ghosts. this fantasy. This fantasy. Fantasies, erotic talk, all of that. So how did it go from like, quote unquote, dirty talk? Because we say a lot of things in the bedroom that we don't necessarily, you know, want to have happen in real life. Mm-hmm. How did it go from that to, okay, well, maybe we should have someone mm-hmm. join us. So this is, this was my second girlfriend that I had before I dated my first girlfriend who I broke up with, or we broke up together. We decided to break up about a month before the sex and I got together. Mm. So it's important to know, of course, but it felt so real and different and exciting. So mm-hmm. I went into this other relationship, but before my first girlfriend, I, when I was dating around, I started to date couples. So I was exploring this part of my sexuality and things like that. And so it was something that while I even dated my first girlfriend and when I started dating this ex before we were official, I wanted that to be clear that that had been part of my journey and experience. So I think it was already top of mind Mm -hmm. throughout. So making it just all to say a little less random, so to speak. So anyway, it changed when we were at a retreat in Portugal. It was like a month long co-live and there were 25 or so people there. And one of them was a guy. What's a co-live? Just so that people can be clear. Oh, yeah. yes. So it was a new concept for me, but it was at a farm. So that's where this co-live was. But I guess a, a space where people can live and work at the same okay. time. That's and just what I cohabitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a commune almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's probably like a great synonym for it, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm just trying to paint a picture for myself and for others. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The relationship I am proudest of is the relationship I have with myself because I've worked really hard to make it a good relationship and to make it strong. A common misconception about relationships with ourselves and with others is that it's meant to be like easy. But, you know, I don't think that relationships are supposed to be so hard, but even the best ones, it's a challenge. Part of feeling satisfied in life is knowing that we've had to overcome a challenge to get to where we want to be. And sometimes the best relationships happen when both people put in the work to make the relationship great. And that's where therapy can really help, speaking to someone to help you process thoughts, feelings, decisions, behavior, so that you can become a better person and strengthen your relationships with others and very ultimately strengthen your relationship with yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. First of all, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is great. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for love or not. Visit betterhelp.com 
slash on love today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash on love. So you and your most recent ex decided to do that together. Yes. And it was more of a spiritual journey and all of of that good stuff. But this wound up being a little bit of a surprise. But this guy, he was super friendly, super cool, super cute. He was very attractive to both of us. And so when we had settled in the first few days, we were being physically intimate. And she was like, wouldn't that be so hot if he was here? So then it became someone specific. Okay. And I was like, oh, I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't know. So I never knew, like, of course, knowing her history too of one of those traumas being infidelity, I never wanted to intrude, Mm -hmm. you know, or make her uncomfortable. So I felt that she really led that, which was exciting. And so I trusted Mm -hmm. that. And so Mm -hmm. it was then we did we were with with this guy a mm-hmm. few times. So we were with him four times total, the first time being disastrous. A lot of alcohol was involved. Okay, disastrous. Like, was there any violence? No, I'm assuming not. Or was there? Maybe there was. No. So the first time, I think it was the first time, we basically, I mean, it was pretty traumatic, you could say. So we, I think the first time was we had him over for dinner you know, we're all having a good time, all driving. We went to the bedroom and started to, you know, be together. And during it, when he was with me, she disconnected. And she was kind of like, it was something in her eyes that just made me feel really uncomfortable. Like she wasn't here with me or that she like was disgusted or that she like something was- You sense a big shift in her energy. Yeah. And so I stopped it and I was like, I'm so sorry. You have to go. I think we're just, we need a minute. We, you know, we need to breathe a bit. And it was like, you want to be with him. Like I saw how you were looking at him. Like you forgot about me. Like all of this, like really just, it was just explosive. Mm -hmm. And so when I hesitated, when you asked about violence, I've been thinking about this as it pertained to our relationship. And while it was never directed towards me, thankfully, she was aware she had anger problems since a young girl. And so I mm-hmm. saw glimpses of that anger and she would punch herself or she would like punch walls. And so that night it was just explosive. Was this the first time that you saw behavior like this in her? I think so. Like that sort like it, of It's the first time you saw her self-harm, punch herself, punch a wall? Probably the start of it. Yeah. Sometimes she would like go away. It's hard to remember the timeline, of course, but sometimes she would be like, I need to like take a second and then she'd come back and her like hand was red or like she was you know would say I feel like she wanted to probably be seen and like you know her saying like I just had to like hit the wall like she Mm -hmm. wanted someone to know that how old are you both I am 28 and Uh she just turned 30 that event happened but then you all tried it again Mm -hmm. because then you know what was interesting was we talked about it a lot and I was super emotional because in that moment when when he and I were were having sex and I felt that she had floated off and he was a nice guy. And of course it had nothing to do with him, but I felt very vulnerable, of course, but just like really unsafe and like, really like, this is not what I signed up for. And I just felt like I wanted to leave my body, which I think as women, we can all relate to. I know I have had several experiences like that. 
Sure, when I was but younger. you're saying that that yes, that feeling that you experienced was triggered by her disengaging and disconnecting. Yeah, because it made me feel like you were doing something. What wrong, do I maybe? do? Yeah, yeah this yeah. is wrong. Like I'm here, but I'm like, where should I be? Yeah, I understand that. So again, that sounds like a terrible experience. So I'm curious as to why the two of you then made the decision to try it again. So my ex had a way with words. And words to me are very important. I tend to take people at face value. It's something I like about myself and it's something I'm working on because that trust does need to be built. So when we started talking about it the next day, I was like, look, that can't happen again. I'd rather just not do that. That's not a need for me. So you did tell her that you don't need to have a third person in the bedroom with you. Yeah, I never, Okay. if anything, that's, it was a nice to have, but I had never been on the side of that equation. Right. You never expressed that as being a sexual need of yours. No, okay. never. So we talked about it and she was like, I would like to try again. I, I'm sorry that that happened. And, and we kind of, we, we talked through it. I mean, I'm so curious as to what she said that would convince you that she was actually okay to try that again. I'm trying to remember. I think it was just something about in that moment, I was brought back to this relationship. So important context for this is her first girlfriend in college, they were secretive together and they agreed when they would go out, they would kiss guys, but not do anything else. And her ex wound up going home with this guy night after night after night after night. Okay. So she was cheated on. Cheated on. Yeah. And so, and that was just very toxic. So she was like, I was really brought back to that relationship. And that was a through line throughout our entire relationship was that I told her like when we ended and we're crying and it was just a disaster and depressing. I was like, I felt like I may as well have been her mm-hmm. this whole time. Nothing I said seemed to change that. You were with her when she's almost, thir- I mean, she's 30 now, but almost 30 That happened in college. Did she ever go to therapy? Does she ever, it doesn't sound like she really addressed that pain. She didn't. She, she always went to therapy for other people. So like her and her ex went to couples therapy, not that ex, a different ex. And she had seen a therapist in the beginning of our relationship because I had relapsed. I struggled with an eating disorder for many, many years. And so she went for me. Okay. And then we went together for couples counseling. So it was always for someone else. And then when I gave her, sure enough, an ultimatum at the beginning of 2023, she went but would come home saying what she learned I could do differently. And so I was like, oh, it was like, again, of like, what the hell? Right. Okay. So she somehow managed to convey that in that moment, she was transported back to her college years and that she realizes that that's what it was. But she said she wanted to try it again. Uh And we did. Did she ever say why she wanted to try it again? I mean, we talked about this a lot and it was just a a turn on to her. I can imagine that for her, she also wanted to explore that. But you only talked about it sexually, not in terms of actually all being in a ethically non-monogamous relationship. So you were talking about just in the bedroom, not anything more, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just getting my facts straight. Yeah. Okay. So then you're like, okay, let's try it again. And that guy was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not entirely surprisingly. (laughs) I mean, you know, sure. He was very excited by that. Yes. 
He, yeah. And well, and he also didn't know, I mean, like, right, like after he left the room, that's when like these really, so he only had so much mm-hmm. awareness of what was happening, but did it again. Amazing. We had a few sips of wine. So like alcohol was really not a factor and okay. it was amazing. It was awesome and incredible and thought it was what I pictured, if not better. And for her too. And then did it again, more alcohol, awful, catastrophic again. And then we did it once more and it was really good. And then when you left. say catastrophic, the same thing happened? Basically copy and paste. Yeah. Okay. So, so the moral of the story is that alcohol plays a huge role in these scenarios. Yes. Throughout our relationship. In these scenarios going badly. Yeah. And it was definitely prominent throughout our relationship too. That when the yeah. two of you drank, she would, I mean, does she have a drinking problem? I think yes. Okay. So Do it you? was, I think no. Okay. I've, I think at one point in time when I was younger, yes, but I was, you know, using that to, mm-hmm. to try to hide and fix other I things. I believe that. Yeah. I think you would be very honest about that, but you think she did. Okay. So you did a total four times. So then what? We left and came back to the States and then... I don't know. We just kind of got back into it. We had moved in together a few months later in February of 23. And even move-in day, we got in a huge fight. You were together for how long before you moved in together? About a year. Okay. Yeah. That's not terrible. Could be worse. I mean, especially for two women. (laughs) Yeah, right? I'm like, are you proud? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of my friends who are women and in relationships with women, you know, they move quickly, but not always. But here's what I want to understand. So mm-hmm. how many episodes where it got really, really dramatic and there was maybe self-harm involved, how many episodes aside from those two with that other guy went on between the two of you before you decided to move in together? Quite a bit. It's hard to say which things specifically stick out before that, but it was a lot and it was a lot of fighting and the making up, of course, was... Amazing. Powerful and amazing mm-hmm. and promising. And I want to talk about the actual moving in experience too, because I think a lot of what I'm trying to forgive now in both of us, but especially her. So we moved in in February and we got in this fight. And it was as simple as I think what had started it was I expressed to her, I live on a seven floor walk up in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of stairs. It's arguably the worst apartment to move in and out. (laughs) I'm aware of New York City living. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had some friends help me um, later that morning. I was determined to not spend money on movers. Money, you know, has been tight for me these last few years. And it was just something that I didn't see a need for, especially because I was subleasing and wasn't moving big furniture and stuff. So I had some friends help run the stairs and some things down with me. It was very kind of them. We had a great time. We laughed. We loved. It was great. When my ex came to help, like it just felt like she was annoyed to be here, that I should feel really grateful. Her parents did help come because they have a truck and all that stuff. And so, and I was grateful. I was, it was very kind, but I felt like a nuisance. I think I was a little surprised. And so when I tried to express that to her, she just got really upset. One thing led to the next and we were screaming on the streets of New York. And I was like, I have made a huge mistake. And I'm just crying, unpacking my suitcases and plastic boxes that I carried that I'm just like, what have I done? And I think it was very much 
one of those things we were trying to put a Band-Aid on a huge multiple bullet holes. And what wound up happening, lots of months of fighting, but just trying to also build a life together like she had wanted from the very beginning. And I had never lived with someone. So that was huge. And that was to me, you know, moving in, I told her, I said, look, you, you make a lot of money. You know that you make everyone know that. I mean, <laughs> okay. I noticed the dig. That's it. Yeah. Well, but that's part of it too. So, well, this will all hopefully come full circle. <laughs> like, I think it just points to, you have some resentment and that's okay. And that's really what we're talking about. Right. So, right. That's what we're talking exactly. about. So you told her, okay, you make a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I was like, for me to leave this place behind is this was a COVID deal. I will not find mm. an apartment in this location. I, I love my little apartment. Like, mm-hmm. so just like really expressed to her how huge of a step this is for me. She had lived with her last girlfriend for a couple of years. And this was a big deal. I came from a, a home that was chaotic and a broken family. And it was just chaos. It meant a lot to me. And I moved around a lot, you know, and so I, I made the jump. Months passed. We only wound up living together about three months. But I wound up traveling over the summer, which is part of, you know, what I wrote to you. As we finally, we had that final breakup in July and she like flipped a switch like I'd never seen before. And I would never have thought would happen. You know, in a a recent podcast I heard of yours, it was talking about toxic relationships and it was about red flags and like if that person would treat someone else a certain way. It is only a matter of time until they treat you that way. Mm-hmm. And I heard that and I was like, oh, shit. You know, like, yeah. But it really like never felt like I would be on the receiving. Meaning because she had done that to others. Not specifically, but the way that I had seen her talk about others and treat others, that became me. But you traveled without her over the summer while the two of you were still together? We had broken up right before she was supposed to come with me for three weeks. Okay. And then we got in our ultimate, you know, demise was this guy, this new friend who I'm still friends with, which is nice now that I, I'm having this time with a single girl and everything. But like, she just couldn't handle it. The guy it. that you became friends with, you now have a romantic connection with? No, never no. did. Okay. You're just friends. Yeah. Okay. Just friends. But I think I, I said that the way I did because... She began to kind of monitor my conversations and told me what was appropriate within Mm -hmm. the context of friends. Did you ever have a threesome with anyone else besides that guy? We had a foursome with a couple that I had known for a long time. Yeah, but that one was less drama, probably because of the nature of the dynamic. Right, because there's two couples instead of three people. Yeah, Yeah. but never brought a third person, just a third person, into the bedroom again after Portugal. Thankfully. Hey, Jillian on Love listeners. This episode is proudly brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. You know, hair so iconic, it needs no introduction. So we all put our hair through the ringer. Well, not all of us, but many of us do. Like, you know, Tying it up in a bun, coloring, heat, styling, stress, aging, you know, nutritional stuff. The list goes on. And over time, it takes a toll. That's why it's actually really important to have products that not only repair the look of your hair and any of the damage that it might be having, 
but also shields your hair from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the cult classic, glossing detangler, and perfecting leave-in conditioner. These aren't just styling products. They could actually be your hair's new best friend. And here's a treat for you. For a limited time, you get an exclusive 15% off your entire order at lolav.com. Just use code Jillian at checkout. Their leave-in conditioner and the detangler, like those two products, are amazing because my hair knots very easily. And I have to tell you, those products, game-changing. So I really also want to say this, that Lola V is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness. So there's no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's very important to me, or mostly because like all those chemicals in your hair, not a good idea. So what I would say is that in shower, you can use the restorative shampoo and conditioner plus intensive repair treatment. And then post-shower, the glossing detangler, oh my God, amazing, perfecting, leave-in conditioner and lightweight hair oil, all amazing. So I really can't actually recommend it enough. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. As loyal listeners, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your entire order when you use code Jillian at checkout. That's 15% off your order at lolav.com with promo code Jillian. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts cannot be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition. It's like here we know that she has this cheating trauma and yet you all are exploring sort of being with others, but with each other. I mean, there's a few ways I want to go with this. One is, how's your relationship currently with your parents, your family? Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother, Mm -hmm. plus three. And my relationship with my mom is amazing. We're super, super close. I'm a lot like her. She's a lot like me. And we just are very like soul connected. So we have a very deep relationship. And the one with my dad is good, but it's definitely been challenging throughout my life. In a lot of ways, he's someone who, um, he's so loving. He's so wonderful. He's not your typical masculine father who like does things and all that stuff. Growing up, it was very like, very, pa- he was just passive. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I think there was. Sweet yeah. and passive. Nice. Sweet and passive. Yeah. A little like altruistic, very kind, but it created a real lack of structure in my life. Mm-hmm. And my brother was quite abusive to me growing up. So when it was, you know, dad's weekends, it was a completely unruly situation. So your parents divorced at what age? I was like two. Oh, so, okay. And did your mom ever remarry or your father ever remarry? They both remarried actually the same summer in college. I was maybe a sophomore. So your whole basically childhood was divided between mom and dad's house? Mm -hmm. And then your brother would hit you? Yeah, he was physically abusive and also like verbally abusive too. Mm-hmm. Like he'd call me like fat ass and like he mm-hmm. knew that was like my thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he would just say things like that. And then you struggled with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two are kind of connected. Mm-hmm. So when you were at your dad's, he wouldn't in any way have any structure. And was your mom more the disciplinarian? 
to the point where like when things were hitting the fan at dad's, like I'd call mom and be like, you need to come immediately. And she'd mm-hmm. have to drive, you know, to the suburbs and get us. What have you learned about this relationship? Like what has been like your top one to three greatest lessons from this? Oh my gosh. So many lessons, Jillian. I think my biggest one is probably when people show you who they are, believe them. And my second one is just having learned what I deserve and what I'm not willing to tolerate. I've lived so much of my life just trying to please people and and fix people. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, of course on me is the family I was dealt is understandable, but even like friends and partners and stuff now, it's like I've taken these people who aren't really that well aligned with me and I'm, I stay there and I'm like, I'll just fix them to alignment for me. Is that what you felt like you were doing? You were trying to fix her? I think I was trying to help her. And I mm-hmm. think that comes from probably, I was thinking about this the other day, like my dad, like I'm still like, even now as an adult, I know I'm like, I'm not your guru dad. And I'm, this isn't my responsibility. I'm not your therapist, but I, I'm at a place now where I feel very strong mm-hmm. and myself where I can talk to him about how he feels and offer advice. But that's of course it and nothing ever changes. But I think it was trying to help her see something differently, especially, you know, I'd been on this kind of self-help journey for 10 years now and it's literally saved my life. So it's something that it wasn't on her radar ever. I just wanted to to teach her. But what exactly did you want to teach her? I think I'm, this is maybe going to sound horrible. I think I wanted to teach her how to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like, Does she to, need to be a better person? I mean, I know that she struggled. I mean, I think these are all really powerful lessons, but what's highlighted to me is just an overall lack of boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm struggling to put the pieces of the puzzle together where after having that experience with him, that you went to it again. And look, the second time was great. And you realize, okay, we didn't have a lot of alcohol, so it's okay. But it was that moment where you saw her explode and all of that happened. That's where I think there was like a major fork in the road mm-hmm. where you had a choice to mm-hmm. either say, what I saw today was too scary for me. And I don't know if this is a relationship that I can continue to be in or whether it was, you know, today really scared me. So as much as I think it would be hot to have this third person in, it is not a good idea for our relationship. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a shoulda, woulda, coulda, but you're in a personal development journey. And so we need to see how we contributed to whatever toxicity or dysfunction that was happening in a relationship. That's part of how we let go and forgive is we say, okay, I was part of a dynamic that we only really fall in love with those who are on a similar level of consciousness as our own. We may have very, very different issues, but if someone was really more spiritually evolved, they wouldn't even want to be with someone who wasn't as evolved as them in their own way. So Mm -hmm. those are powerful lessons, like you needing to have boundaries, you needing to like, realize that 
you can't be spoken to that way. Like when you feel that sort of deep spiritual pain of like, oh my God, I made a huge mistake in moving in with them. Like to listen to that inner voice, to listen to your intuition. These are really important things for sure. You also engaged in your own in fighting instead mm-hmm. of laying down boundaries. You had a difficult time communicating as well. And here's the thing, when we are, even in non-monogamous relationships, there are rules. It's not just if it's going to work, which it rarely does, honestly, because people have a hard time making it work. This is not a moral judgment. It's just that Mm -hmm. relationships are so complicated. And the ones in which it does work, you have to communicate times a thousand. Like you think you need to communicate a lot when you're just in a relationship with one other person. You bring another person into that, whether it's sexual or not or sexual and also emotional, the amount of communicating that needs to happen is through the roof. Mm -hmm. So true or false, like she led her life needing a lot of certainty. True. That's generally how she approached life is that she felt sort of unsafe. And so she, it's not the only thing she valued in life, but would you say that certainty and the need for like control was one of the things that she valued most? Yes. Okay. And what do you value most? I know certainty is one of the things that you value for sure, because you wouldn't have struggled with eating disorders if it weren't, because that's all about power and control, right? Mm -hmm. And feeling out of control. And also given what you would experience moving a lot and all of that, you would want that kind of certainty. What do you value most? That's a good question. Do you value more adventure? I do value, that's one of the values. Yes, I've definitely, um, I, I have like a, an actual list with actual ink on it now uh-huh. of values for, you know, myself um, and partners and friends and stuff and adventure is certainly on there. I think authenticity keeps coming up. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. If you own a company and you need to hire, you actually need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global visitors, according to Indeed data. And it has a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So you got to get rid of the busy work and just use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. I just know that like, if you're looking to hire someone, it is a slow and overwhelming process. And that is why Indeed is actually fantastic. And so you can also join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job more visibility at Indeed.com slash J-O-L. Just go to Indeed.com slash J-O-L right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash J-O-L. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So if authenticity keeps coming up, who are you authentically? Like if you were to describe you, not when you're stressed, not when you're fearful, but who you really are. Because I'm getting little glimpses, like you wanted to travel, you like to explore, even the way that you explore your sexuality, there's a little bit of like uncertainty there, a little danger, Mm. you know, it's not just control. So mm-hmm. who are you authentically, if you were to describe yourself? I think 
I'm very emotional. I'm very mm-hmm. sensitive. I do crave exploration. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good word. Exploration. Yeah. 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 Newness. I love, newness. I love yeah. new things. I also am looking for ways to ground myself. So that's where I'm at right now where I'm like, okay, like new and adventure and peace and then also calmness and, you know, foundation. So this is a very common inner conflict that people have. Mm. So when you met your ex, because you're retelling the story, this important story, what we're highlighting are her worst character traits, her flaws. Mm-hmm. What was great about her? Like, was she really grounding in a way? Like, did you feel grounded in her presence when things were good, when you first met her? Was there something anchoring about her or being with her? Yes. So it's important that when we reflect on these relationships that we also, in order to really understand them, we have to understand what was it? What was mm-hmm. it that brought me to her? What was it that connected me to her? I mean, there are some people out there who are so incredibly toxic that it's actually almost impossible to come up with something (laughs) positive about them. But my sense is that like your ex is not just all toxic. You said she's not a bad person. Well, that's the thing. I don't know now. So here's the thing. I'm going to argue that she's not a bad person. She's not right for you. (laughs) And I'm not suggesting you get back together with her. But what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, you like the novelty, you like the newness. What was seductive about her and what created that intense chemistry was that she provided something that you really wanted and maybe at the time didn't even know you were searching for it. Mm -hmm. And the irony is that, you know, that's the great part of her. And unfortunately, our traumas can get in the way. And then create a whole lot of drama, which to someone who really likes novelty, that can be kind of addictive. Like we don't even realize that. The chaos can be sort of like a a reprieve from boredom. And maybe it was a reprieve from boredom in her life too. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what it was that magnetized you to her and her to you will give you some context to really understand what happened She didn't have a handle on a past relationship. She didn't know how to regulate herself emotionally in the relationship. But it sounds like you didn't either. And so part of forgiving her is really just forgiving yourself. You did the best that you could at the level of maturity and consciousness that you were in. And she did the best and you both made mistakes and you both hurt each other. And maybe she hurt you more than you ever hurt her because in your eyes, you you were trying to do your best to make her feel more comfortable, you know? And I can understand that you felt very unseen because you would never betray her in the way that her ex betrayed you. I understand that. But I also know that in these relationships, it's very rarely, I mean, unless we're talking about severe abuse, it's really two people blaming each other for their unprocessed pain She's someone that you thought that you could help. But at one point, she was also something very grounding for you. And maybe she was, you know, maybe throughout in a way there was something grounding. Like you you moved around a lot and she presented the opportunity to cohabit together and get an apartment. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to encourage you to understand yourself, to understand what motivated you in this relationship, why you stuck with it. While at the same time realizing that 
I'd like to pluck out the part of the story that makes it that you're the victim. I know that what she did was not cool, but you could have ended it the moment she did all that stuff. But instead, you made some kind of questionable decisions. Those decisions were to keep having someone else come into the bedroom. You know, it was like first time terrible, second time amazing, third time terrible, but let's try it a fourth time. Like you didn't have to do that. And then you moved in with her, I think hoping that it would, I understand, look, trust me, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've been you and hoping that it would be better, hoping to be loved more, trying to like organize in my brain, like how could this person once be like such a, an amazing anchor for me? And now, you know, it's not, but like, you have to also be able to see where you were complicit. And I do. And I I think it's a really interesting connection between what you said earlier about me wanting to explore and that novelty. I can see that clearly. And I, I think that's brilliant. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Where I get, you know, tripped up a little and where I'm at now, I'm dealing with still so much anger. And I had kind of discovered the anger that I had in my body and my heart and everything in that relationship, even like aside from her, just from, you know, growing up and everything. And it's like, how do you forgive someone? For instance, how we basically ended. I went abroad. This guy, my new friend, was there. We met up as friends. Her and I were in the middle of getting back together. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to decide on purpose. I heard your chaser in the runner episode. I was like, these are all the answers. I'll just work on this part and that part. And we can go to therapy and like, oh my gosh, it's going to be great. And then I realized that we had been there before. Like we had tried these things before. And and anyway, but I, so I was very hopeful and optimistic still. And I told her I'd be with him because I didn't want to walk on eggshells. I was, I was determined to do this version two different than version one. And I told her, I asked to move a FaceTime back 30 minutes and she lost it. She was like, you should respect me more. It's my birthday. You know, and so it was just so irrational. I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. To your point, I was like, if you need to go, then you need to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. And so you're absolutely right. I was complicit in a lot of this. And I I fought back. Hell yes, I did. It's what I knew growing up. I absolutely was there for that. And yet it's like when we finally ended, it's like something switched in her and how she treated me because I still lived in our apartment. You know, I still was there and I was traveling And I wasn't paying rent, which was an agreement before moving in together to begin with, because I subleased to have that travel money to go. And she was like, you don't live here. Like, actually, it's not your apartment. You don't pay rent. So like, there'll be a chaperone for when you move out. These days don't work after traveling for two months and 30-day travel day. She's like, doesn't work for you to stay at home this night, even though she lives 30 minutes outside the city. It was just like that final, like, just like and control. And why like the, like, do you think from the perspective of your wisest self, not the one that's caught up in her, why do you think she did that? Why do you think she behaved in that way? What do you think her emotional inner state was that led her to be so harsh with you? I mean, I think she was definitely trying to protect herself. I mm-hmm. think she was trying to feel like she had a handle on something that she didn't. It was, yes. you know, to control her her insides. Maybe she was hoping that I would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like maybe she was hoping I'd come back. I don't know. 
I, I never got to know. Okay. Well, you don't need to know, like, you know enough. The thing is, when she did that, I understand it was harsh. It was mean. It was incredibly immature, but it was also consistent with the rest of your relationship in many ways. And I understand why you are, but you're taking it personally. It's not personal. It's that was her inner state. She had no idea. She was so hurt. She felt so out of control. She is totally controlled by a story that happened to her in college where someone cheated on her and she had not dealt with that. And she was completely projecting that all onto you and she went into total survival mode. And in order to get into survival mode, she had to like cut you out and be mean. I know that that hurts. I know that that's not fair, but you have to start seeing the wounded part of her. And I'm not even asking you to have a whole lot of compassion or empathy. I'm trying to steer you away from like, she did this to me. She did this to me. She did this Mm -hmm. to me. You said when people show you who they are, you have to believe it. And the thing is, she only did that because she was terrified and you were thousands of miles away and she felt totally abandoned by you. And that doesn't mean that you abandoned her, but it's time now to look at this much more objectively. She feels very abandoned by you. You kind of want to explore the world. She's the anchor that you actually wanted in your life. But, you know, all of us have these great sides to us and then you flip it over and there's the shadow side and not so great side. So she's a great anchor, but because of her deep insecurity, she wanted to control you and imprison you. And so, you know... That's just her abandonment stuff. You guys, you two, you ladies, you girls, you found each other. I know. I mean, I say guys just because, you know, it's colloquial, (laughs) but you know, you two found each other. Mm -hmm. And so you're so stuck on the breakup. And I understand that it was really, really hurtful, but I want to encourage you to see it way more big picture, which is that it was just a reflection of everything in your relationship You wanted novelty. I don't know, Emily, but I'm wondering like if maybe looking back, you could have had better boundaries with people outside of the relationship. Maybe you're you're nodding your head. You're nodding Mm -hmm. your head. Yeah. So like, I really do trust you. I trust you if you say like, look, Jillian, I really was like, I had really firm boundaries. I was, but you know, you nodded your head. So maybe there were certain things that you did outside of the relationship. I'm not saying cheating, but maybe things that maybe were a little bit questionable or you could have communicated better. Okay. I didn't realize. I thought you were talking about friends and family. Oh, but you meant you meant like romantically with others. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that the narrative of my girlfriend was very, very, very insecure and jealous. And then I was this person who was controlled in the relationship. I think it's just part of a larger tapestry, but it's the mm-hmm. one that you're hanging on to. And so you're thinking she is someone that you need to forgive when I think you have to let you off the hook for making questionable decisions, for staying in a relationship that wasn't that great to understanding why you were, you know, it was the chemistry. Why did you have chemistry? Like you have this internal conflict. You want this novelty. You want this freedom, but you also crave stability. She represented that stability, but she also came with some other stuff. And the two of you just didn't navigate it well together. Mm -hmm. And I know that it ended like crap, but she only did it because she was terrified and felt abandoned. It's really not about you. And so what I'm asking of you is not easy. 
But I am asking if you can remove yourself a little bit and see that when she flipped that switch, which I believe is really the thing that you're hanging on to the most, that feels that is that that how she handled the final breakup is really the thing that is tethering you to this story and preventing you from fully moving on. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're nodding your head. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm asking you to see that like that was her in complete survival mode. Again, I'm not asking you to be like, oh, poor, you know, whatever her name is, poor her, but just like, okay, that, that was not, she was at her breaking point. I was away. We were having troubles. Then I pushed back the FaceTime thing, 30 minutes, which was, it wasn't about that. It was all this stuff that was pent up and it's not about me. And so I'm going to let it go because I can't really have much more of an expectation of her to be able to have handled it better. And by the way, maybe there were things about this breakup that I didn't handle that well either. Mm -hmm. I think... Yeah. And, you know, these are messages I've been, you know, hearing and stuff the last eight months, however long it's been. And this is definitely very helpful because I feel like it's hitting in new ways. So thank you for that, Julian. I also, I feel like I do struggle with taking things personally. So it's not a surprise to me that we, we got, we got here and I do. And I was talking with a friend about this yesterday and I was just telling her about it and about, you know, just where my thoughts have been at and everything and my feelings. And I made the connection of, you know, as a kid, I was living in this chaos, like I described to you. And I remember just feeling like you can't treat me this way. Like this, like, what the fuck? Like you can't treat me this way. The chaos of your childhood was because you went back and forth between mom and dad? It was more so about, I think, the... The neglect, I think, with not neglect, that's not the right word. Well, with my brother, it probably is my difficult relationship with my brother. And then I just think I I just remember really craving intimacy. And my parents were they're awesome people. I love my parents. And we all make You're mistakes. very lucky. Yeah. And I'm very lucky for that. Yes. It's a privilege for sure. But I just remember a lot of loneliness as a kid. And a lot of just not safety and this feeling of like when my brother would say something, just feeling like I couldn't do anything about it, right? Like this mm-hmm. like lack of boundaries. Or didn't know how to stick up for yourself. Didn't know how to stick up against for myself. him. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with friends like growing up. I was always kind of like the brunt of a joke. And I was like, but what did I do? Like, why mm-hmm. am I being picked on? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't treat me mm-hmm. like that. And then so, and it's interesting because I've now connected that even to like in this relationship, you know, being like, you can't talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. But then not leaving, to your point. Exactly. And then not leaving or not putting down certain boundaries or making questionable decisions. All Mm -hmm. of those things. Yeah. And so I think that's been a big learning. And I think part of that, I am trying to learn how to let go. It hasn't been easy. And part of that is trying to learn how to not take things personally, which I think on one hand, that was something that came up in our couples therapy and she was like, even our therapist said, you take things personally as like, though to say I should just chill and not take whatever I did personally. And I think it's like, both is true. I think ideally I take nothing personally. That would be awesome. No, it's not ideally that you take nothing personally. It's just that I'm trying to, for you to see that her behavior in how she broke up with you, I'm trying to have you 
empathize. It's not about like, oh, it's okay and I'm a doormat, but to understand her internal state in that moment and that she did only what she knew she could do. That's all she knew she could do. Yeah. And she'd never really proved to you that there was a lot of emotional regulation. I just think that it's better now to think about why, you know, you were attracted to her and what that was all about and some of the things that you want to do differently in a future relationship and to pay attention to certain warning signs. Mm -hmm. You have to really decide that the novelty and the exploration that you're going to have in life is going to be stuff that's really healthy for you, not in any sort of dramatic relationship. And I think that it would be really great for you to be with someone who is grounding for you, but also really secure in who they are. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And to over-communicate about certain boundaries and sexual boundaries. That's something that needs to be talked about in relationships, boundaries and expectations all the time. And it sounds to me like you and your ex just didn't have a lot of the really important conversations. That a lot of it was just like, let's put out this fire. Yeah, it was a little more reactive. Yeah, it was very reactive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's time to move forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe, just maybe, Emily, if she hadn't broken up with you like that or cut you off like that, isn't it possible that you would go for another round of dating her? Probably. And I've said that. I'm like, it probably had to end. It had to be that way because it was the only way I would have walked away. So don't even say another word. That's what you need to focus on. That's what you need to focus on. But you keep holding on to this other narrative and that's what's holding you back. She did you both a really big favor in switching off like that. Because you said you broke up and got together many, many times. And like, you know what? You weren't put on this earth to just have that kind of relationship. That will fuck up your life. And so maybe, like, maybe there's a silver lining in how she cut you off. Yeah. And I think if it were me, I would focus on that because nothing means anything other than the meaning that we give it. And so you can keep focusing on the other stuff and feel sad and feel tethered to it and feel like you're struggling to move on. Or you can look at it totally differently and say, that probably was the only way we were going to really end it. I probably still be with her or we would have had like, you know, another few months of going back and forth and the same old bullshit. A part of it, and you're, you're absolutely right. And those are, you know, the silver linings that I have seen. I've struggled with the lack of apology. I had blocked her on everything, but she did reach out via WhatsApp. Who knew that your number mm-hmm. could still slide through? But she basically said, oh, I'm sorry, we ended the way that we did, like we tarnished the, like there was just never an accountability or or apology, which is, you know, who's to say, and then that just, I know that can't come, like there's no closure that will happen from her now. So I know that. 
But I think that, and of course, just all of the other many reasons that make toxic relationships difficult to heal from. It's been such a mind fuck, you know? And I it's, know. I yeah. understand. But that's part of the reason why I want you to understand why there was so much chemistry there. There were other parts to her that you were really drawn to. And there mm-hmm. were parts to you that she was really drawn to. I mean, there was like, she provided something in your life that felt was deeply missing. Even though I think that it would also behoove you to focus on what great parents you actually do have and that you do have a strong relationship with them. But, you know, you did say that you spent a lot of your life feeling lonely and like being in a relationship is a really wonderful antidote to loneliness. And she did have, you know, when she's not in reaction to her past, she had qualities that were very, very of value to you. It was like Mm -hmm. she brought elements to the table that you were actually searching for. And so I think that part of your recovery from an unhealthy relationship is that the more understanding and insight that you have into why it was even there, because we can tend to be like, oh my God, that was a shit show. It's crazy. But but actually there's more order to it than that. Things actually make more sense, but you didn't want to let go. And that's okay. You know, I mean, you said it was your second relationship with a woman. Yeah. There was a lot of chemistry and you're young. You're in your twenties and you were in your twenties when you met her. So it's like, this is the time. Your twenties are the time to kind of have that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like rather have it now than when you're 10 years down the road, when you're 40. Mm -hmm. I would just say that, yeah, you know, like, you may not get that apology from her or you, you might get it years down the line when it doesn't matter as much. But the only thing that matters is your understanding of it and you being able to forgive yourself and to start focusing on the kind of relationship that you want to build in the future and what you want now and what you want to focus on in your life now. Do you like your job? I like it more than any other jobs I've had. Okay. Um, I'm very much trying to create this sort of, you know, I want to live a creative life and I want to ideally have a creative career. So I've, that's one of the other huge blessings coming out of this. I feel like I'm, I have so much more time and space for creative endeavors. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yes. Because these kind of relationships can really, (laughs) they can suck the life out of you. And yeah, absolutely. And so that's been great. So I feel really hopeful about career and, life and like the the direction I'm going, which is, which That's is nice. wonderful. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. And you have a good community of friends? Working on that. I, okay. um, yes, in general, but here in New York, coming back from my trip this summer, I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, hard and great and whatever. I'm going to be with the girls and, and that'll be great. And then I realized that I didn't have that kind of support that I needed that I've mm-hmm. never had really from those people. And they're amazing. They're great. They've been great friends for a long time, but all to say my community is shifting and I'm meeting a lot of new people and great. new friends, great. which is amazing and great for what I value too. So feel hopeful about the table I'm building too. That's wonderful. Keep focusing on that. Keep focusing on that. Focus on, you know, your relationship with your family. Focus on the relationships that really matter. This was July. So it's been about six months. Oh gosh. Yeah. But you know, after the six month mark, especially when it's a year relationship, you'll see like a little bit of like a turning point. 
and starting to kind of let go of that. And there's still just like final processing to be had. And I think that our conversation today is going to provide you with some things to process. So are you settled in a new apartment? I'm back in my old apartment. Thankfully, I sublet it. So I was able to slide back in, changed everything um, that I could. And so it, it feels really good to be back. So now you just have to really learn those lessons, be committed to understanding yourself and bringing those lessons into a new relationship when you're ready and to focus on the the other things in your life, you know, leading the creative life, all of that. Mm -hmm. And just to be aware of the fact that like, you probably are going to have that chemistry with people who do feel like home around, like that feel like an anchor, that feel really grounded. And that's good for you, but you have to pay attention to if any weirdness or instability shows up and you really have to pay attention to that and not be a fighter in a relationship. Instead, you know, if something doesn't really work, like aim to make better decisions, aim to have the conversations. If something doesn't feel right intuitively, you have to listen to that. I mean, this is all the things that we know intellectually, but we really do need to put into practice. Yeah. And I think that you would be best served to be with someone who does not have a bunch of wounds that they're lugging around from relationship to relationship. Look, we all have baggage, but the jealousy baggage, probably not great for you because you like to have a lot of, meet a lot of new people. You like to make new connections. You have that kind of creative spirit to you. So you need someone who's really going to be comfortable with that. I agree. And thank you again for for saying all that. It's amazing what you can pick up with a little over an hour. I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, all true. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. I think, you know, and you may have said it, but just so I can be sure that I asked you this while yes. I had you on the phone. Sure. I definitely am working on forgiving myself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, what your advice would be other than, and maybe that is it. Maybe like you said, just knowing that she did the best she could in the moment, what you would say to forgiving her. I think it's more about forgetting her. Okay. And how do you do that? Well, I think that you, well, number one is you focus on a different aspect of the story, which is that had she never, this is really important. If she had not flipped the switch like that, you probably still would have been with her or you would have gone on several more months, potentially to your admission of struggle. And so maybe she did you a favor. And I really think that you need to really take that in. Number two is you forget because the person just becomes less important to you in your life. And you just do that by focusing on the things that you really want to focus on in life. Keep steering your focus on the things that you want to create and the things that you want to build. And then over time, that person becomes less and less important because right now, She's still a little too important. And I understand why. It's not a judgment. When you start to shift the story, you see where like you may have made some mistakes too and may have not had good enough boundaries and maybe you hurt her too in some ways, even though you didn't mean to. You stop seeing yourself as the victim 
Start seeing yourself as someone who got caught up and try to understand why. And I hope that this conversation will give you some more context for that. And then focus on where you want to go and keep reminding yourself that like in time, it's all going to become clearer and maybe you just need to trust that. And so rather than thinking, I have to forgive her, I have to forgive her, I have to forgive her to move on. No, you just have to start moving forward. And then she becomes less important. And then you just forget. (laughs) And with that kind of forgetting becomes like, oh, yeah, whatever. She did the best that she could with the tools she had. And then when you're able to kind of say that to yourself like that, then you're like, oh, shit, I guess I forgave them. But without it being like how we, quote unquote, think of forgiveness. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. And then my last question is, you know, looking back, I think I get really caught up. Was this love? Like, could someone who loves someone treat someone like that? A little victim-y, I recognize that. But what do you think about that? No, no, I think that's a really good question. Do you think that either one of you were really loving each other? I wonder the same thing. I think that people love in direct proportion to their level of consciousness. So for some people, love could look like what the two of you experienced. Maybe there were times, I'm sure that there were times where the two of you were very pure with each other and very kind with each other and accepting of each other. There had to have been some moments. And in those moments, you were loving each other. Love is selfless. It's not, I'm a doormat selfless, but love is really, really making someone's needs as important as your own. Now, I'm not suggesting that people just love anyone, but love really is its acceptance. And we have to be honest with ourselves when we can't love. But love isn't fear. Love isn't survival mode. Love isn't control. And so I think that you both loved each other to the degree that you were both able to. And the whole purpose of All relationships, particularly the ones that are quote-unquote toxic, they're really meant to teach us what it is to love ourselves and what it means to love another. Thank you for that. That was well said and very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad. I'm glad. So now you need to just focus on the life that you want to create because when you're in that kind of relationship, regardless of who's to blame, Regardless of if one person is to blame 90% of the time, the other person maybe just fought, you know, regardless of any of it, when we're in a relationship that's really difficult and really consuming, it is a dream stealer. And so now just focus on your dreams. Well said. Well, I thank you because you were like really, really open and very honest and very smart and well-spoken and you've clearly done a lot of work. And you're so clearly such a lovely, lovely, lovely person, Emily. So I thank you for coming on to the podcast because I think that your story and our conversation is going to help a lot of people. Seriously. Thank you. you. It means a lot. And I'm I'm so honored to have had this conversation with you. So just thank you for your time. I know you're very busy writing and doing things. So (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate it, Jillian. And thank you for what you do. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Jillian on Love, which is really what would Jillian say? Thank you so much for listening. 
I really hope that you got something out of this, whether you're heartbroken or not. And if you know anyone who you think could benefit from this episode, please do not hesitate to click share because you just never know whose life you could be impacting just by sharing this episode. So I appreciate that. And if you feel inspired and motivated to leave us a five-star review, that would be wonderful. It's what keeps us alive. And then please, please do not hesitate to reach out to me at hello at jillianonlove.com. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Give me your requests for future episodes. We designed this podcast for you. So I am always looking forward to hearing from you. And once again, thank you for listening. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judice, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast.